ourselves right smack dab in the middle of this series called Can You Hear Him Now? Which is uh, just a kind of a catchy way of saying uh, it's not easy to always recognize the voice of God. And so we've been talking a little bit about this issue and we've established in the last couple of weeks, number one, God is alive and well, amen? And as a living, breathing, active God, He continues to communicate with His people. So if there's ever any question about, is God still speaking today, or is that something God just did back in Bible times, God is absolutely speaking today. It's in His nature to speak, and He's always going to be speaking to His people. So we've established that. Last week, we got into this issue of the, the primary means of communication that God has for us, which is what? Wow, that was really weak. Which is what? The Bible. That was actually B minus right there, but we'll, we'll give you credit for that. God communicates through His Word, the Bible. That's why at Grace Fellowship and lots of other good Bible teaching churches, you come on a Sunday morning and you don't just hear some witty ideas from the pastor or a discussion of some a new psychological idea that's come out in a book or something like that. But if I don't preach to you from the Word of God, if I'm just telling you stories or giving you interesting tidbits or whatever, it may be of limited value to you. But when I preach the Word of God, the Word of God never comes back empty, not having achieved the purpose that God sent it forth for. So that's why we preach the Word. There's lots of opportunities that people have to share things that are, that are um, maybe important, but they're not God's Word. And so what we want to always be doing is, is driving people, directing people back to the Word of God. It's the measuring stick. It's the standard. It's the, it's the primary means of communication that God has for His people. And when we get away from His Word and we begin to just sort of feel our way through the Christian life, it's like walking blindly through town. It's possible to do it. Blind people are forced to do it. You, you, you've seen people with the red-tipped cane as they're walking and, they're, and they go like this. They can get where they need to go, but it's a whole lot more difficult. There's a whole lot of Christians I know who are choosing to walk blindly through life, trying to feel their way to God's will, trying to feel their way to God's best in their lives because they're not taking the Word of God seriously. And so if God has blessed you by giving you a copy of this book, I strongly encourage you to use it because that's how God is speaking to you. And we're so used to it and it's so common to us that we don't stop and remember sometimes the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the master designer, the one who knows all and who loves us unconditionally has given us a message. If you get a message from God, why would you not pay attention? So we've been talking about the Word and how important it is in our lives, and I guarantee you that every one of us in this room feels like, man, I really need to spend more time in God's Word. I really need to take God's Word more seriously. We're all in process. I'm not here to beat you over the head and make you feel bad about it. I just want to say, listen, the King of Kings has a message for you, and it comes from His Word. But we've been talking about that the last couple of weeks, um, but there's more than one way to hear what I'm calling the voice of God. The subtitle for this is, uh, series is Learning to Recognize and Respond to God's Voice. And I'm sort of putting the word voice in quotes, right? Because, because God's voice, if you will, is not just some audible thing. Well, it would be kind of great, I think, on one level 
if every time you needed to do something, every time God had something for you to understand or to learn, if you actually heard his voice, like you walked around with the little ear, earbuds in your ears, and you didn't hear anything normally, and then all of a sudden God would say, hey, look out, there's a car coming, and you stop and go, oh, okay, great. If we could hear his voice audibly and we just got used to it, but that's not how it generally works, is it? If you're sitting around waiting for the audible voice of God, chances are you're probably not going to hear from God. There's a lot of ways God communicates, though. It's not just the Bible. There's many ways that God communicates, and those many ways that God communicates, we're sort of lumping together and calling the voice of God. So when I talk about God's voice, I'm not just talking about when God speaks words to us, but there's more um, types of ways that He communicates that are maybe less tangible than that. For example, um, circumstances. God can sometimes direct our lives through controlling circumstances, right? So, so let's say, for instance, you were on your way to worship service this morning, and uh, as you were coming down Huntington Drive, you looked up and you saw red lights behind you, and you thought, well, I better pull over so the police can go by, and you pulled over and the police didn't go by, and they stopped you, okay? And so now you're thinking, oh my goodness, what, what did I do? And um, you're looking for your license and registration, and all of a sudden, you hear a voice from inside the police car that says, come out with your hands behind your head. And then you come out, and then they throw you down the pavement and cuff you, throw you in the back of the car, and take you away down to the police station, okay? Now, you didn't do anything wrong. It's a case of mistaken identity. You just happened to look like a guy who just robbed the 7-Eleven, right? You're on your way to church, and you're saying, officer, I'm on, and he says, I don't want to hear what you have to say. He's taking you off, and you're sitting in the police station, and you're scratching your head, and you're saying, man, I was just supposed to go worship God this morning. I was just supposed to go to church this morning. Now, let me ask you a question. That whole situation, the whole case of mistaken identity, is it possible, is it even possible that maybe that is the voice of God, that God is redirecting your day? That you had a plan, and the plan was to be in this room at a certain time with certain people, and God said, no, you're going to be in another room at another time with different people. Is it possible that you're going to actually get thrown into a jail cell while they sort all of this out, and in the jail cell, you're going to meet a person who desperately needs to know about Jesus Christ, and you share the love of Christ with that person, and their life is changed for eternity? Is that possible? It is, right? Maybe. Or maybe it's just a bummer. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just a bad morning, right? And, and so the question is, how can you tell? Could that be God speaking through your circumstances? Absolutely. Maybe. Right? Or another example of how God speaks. Sometimes God speaks through other people. You know, have you ever had one of those moments when someone shared something and it was exactly what you needed to hear at just that moment? Sometimes maybe you, you go to the mailbox and you, and you get your bills and you're looking, you're depressed, and then there's a card and you open the card and it's from a friend who just says, you know what, I was praying for you today and I just want you to know God has an amazing plan to provide for all of your needs. Right as you're sitting there looking at those bills and going, man, could I possibly pay these bills? Is it, is it possible that that's the voice of God, that he's speaking to you through another person? Is that possible? Yes. Maybe. It might be. It could also be that you, you open a card and it says, you're the scum of the earth, you should go kill yourself, 
right? <clears throat> Love mom. <laughs> right? So, so just because someone felt they should send you a card, does that necessarily mean it's the voice of God? No, right? And so sometimes it might be the voice of God, and sometimes it might not be the voice of God. So there's another way that God speaks sometimes through, through like just a, I don't even know the right words to put it, but you know what I mean. It's a strong inner feeling. Do you ever get a prompting just in your heart and you just go, I need to pray for so-and-so right now? Or, um, or maybe just an overwhelming, this happens to me um, periodically when on Sunday mornings when we're singing songs of worship, just the Spirit just speaks to my heart in some sort of way. It's not words, it's... I don't know what it is, but it's God communicating His love for me. It's God communicating His forgiveness to me. And there's some sense in which my heart just melts within me. And I know that God and I have had a moment and we've met together and the voice of God is speaking to me. So it could be a prompting in my spirit to do something. It could be a way that He teaches me even as I open the Word and go, oh, I see this in a new way that I've never seen it before. Or it could just be an even less tangible way that I just go, Oh, God just touched me. And I, I don't know exactly how to explain that. And it's not the same for everybody, and it's not the same every time. But do you know what I mean? That the, the, the Lord can speak to you inside. Can that be the voice of God? Maybe. There's also a whole lot going on psychologically. There's a whole lot going on in my mind. Just this morning, I struggled so much for the, probably the first hour that I was awake. And I was trying to pray, and I was trying to focus on God, and I was trying to do all this kind of stuff. But there was something going on in my head that I was thinking about from my week that was bothering me, and I was just playing it over and over and over again in my head. And it was distracting me from trying to focus on God. So just because you have thoughts in your head doesn't mean that those thoughts are the voice of God, right? And hence, we have a problem. God speaks in all these amazing different ways. I could give you five or ten different examples. He speaks in all these different ways. He might speak in those ways, and we might misunderstand and think He's speaking when He's not. And that's the challenge that we face. So this is the reason that I'm constantly referring us back to the Scripture and saying, listen, this is objective. It says what it says. It means what it means. It's not open to any interpretation so that you can say, well, you read that verse this way, but I choose to read it another way. Well, you could choose to read it however you want, but it meant something when God inspired it to be written, and that's what it means, right? So I want us always to be driven back to the Word of God, but not to the extent that we say there's no other way we can hear from God. Because the truth is, God calls us to walk with Him. And as we walk with Him, He speaks to us. And He does it in all kinds of ways. And it's never really easy to say for sure, this was God and this wasn't God, unless we measure it against Scripture. But when it's things that don't, aren't addressed in Scripture, it's really, really hard to know. The Bible, rightly interpreted, is objective. It's the same message to all of us, even though it might be applied differently in our different lives and different times and different situations. So nothing that comes from God will contradict Scripture. But the Holy Spirit gives us this more subjective, um, more relational way to hear God's voice. And I want us to start digging into that side of it because um, that can be more difficult 
to know when we're hearing from the Holy Spirit and when we're not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to do a little um, exercise here that hopefully will help to illustrate this. So you're going to have to just trust me, but just close your eyes, okay? I don't want anybody looking. Just close your eyes. And as your eyes are closed, just keep them closed and listen to me. What I'm going to do in a minute is you're going to hear two different voices. One of those voices is going to be my voice, and one of those voices is going to be another voice, okay? But I don't want you looking up. I want you to keep your eyes closed, and I want you to tell if you can tell which one is my voice and which one is the other voice. So it's going to be two different voices. Everybody ready? Eyes closed. Hello, this is Pastor Doug, and I want to wish you a happy good morning. Hello, this is Pastor Doug, and I want to wish you a happy good morning. Okay, open your eyes. Which one was me? How do you know? (laughs) This voice recognition, right? You know. You know because I was just standing here talking. Even if this is your first day visiting with us, you've had the last 10, 15 minutes to listen to me talk. You know what the sound of my voice is like, and my voice doesn't sound anything like the second voice that you just heard, right? So there is a sense when we walk with God, when as you do it, you begin to recognize his voice. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to explain it. But you begin to recognize sort of what we would call the sound of his voice. That there's, there's ways that God communicates to you. And this is so difficult. And I, I just want to address the elephant in the room for this whole series. This is difficult stuff. Because there's been so much um, misunderstanding on this subject. There's been so much, frankly, abuse of people saying, the Lord said, and, and I heard God. And there's so many times that people are confused by this. And I would love to be able to give you six simple points that if you just apply these points, you will always know when it's the voice of God and when it isn't. But I can't. The nature of God's relationship with you is that he wants to know you, he wants to experience you, he wants you to experience him, and in the course of that building relationship, you get to know him better and better and better, and you begin to recognize the certain ways that he may speak to you, he may prompt you in ways that is not common for the person sitting next to you. And, and this is all very scary because we go, well, wait a minute, what if the person sitting next to me is wrong? What if I'm wrong? And all I can tell you is there is a sovereign God who loves us and wants to communicate to us, who knows our hearts, and he knows that if we're doing everything in our power to listen to him, that even when we get it wrong, he will find ways to redirect us. We have to trust him. But we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and go, the only way you're ever going to hear from God is when you read it in the Bible, because it simply isn't true. God speaks in these less concrete ways. And we've got to care enough about our relationship with God that we want to get close enough to him to learn to recognize his voice. How does he speak and how does he speak to us? So the bad news is that even after we finish this series on recognizing and responding to the voice of God, you're still not going to be perfect at it. You're still not going to have it down pat. I'm not going to be able to give you just absolutes. There will be some things that I can say, listen, if this happens, it's not the voice of God. If it's contrary to Scripture, it's not the voice of God. We can narrow it down a little bit and learn some of the the ways to tell when it might be God's voice and it might not be. But the truth of the matter is, you have to walk your walk with God. I can't do it for you. 
You have to learn to recognize his voice and how he speaks to you. And it's not three easy steps. It's just like if you've been married for 40 years, you know your spouse pretty well. You don't know everything. They still surprise you now and then. They'll still do something. You go, that was so unlike you. I would have never thought you would do that. But you can pretty much predict how they're going to be because you've been with them all this time and you get used to them. That's what happens as you walk with God. So if you're a new believer, if you're just for a week or a month or six months or a year you've been walking with Jesus, I just want to encourage you, hang in there. Because you might see people that have been walking with Jesus a long time and they share things, these insights that they get from the Holy Spirit. Like, wow, how come God doesn't speak to me like that? It's not that God's not speaking to you. It's that you're still developing that process of learning to recognize God's voice. So it's a process. So the bad news is you're not going to get it down completely. The good news is that there's some things we can learn that will really, really help us to sort of narrow it down and begin to understand when God's voice is speaking to us. And the other good news is he's a good God. He's not interested in us going astray. He's going to do everything in his power to drive us, lead us, guide us back to himself. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. So there's a bunch of different ways that God could speak, right? I'm going to illustrate this in another way. Right now, I am speaking to you. You, you can hear my voice. You can see me speaking if you're in the room, not listening on a recording. And, and there's different ways you could tell that it's really me speaking. I'm not a puppet up here. There's not um, some sort of overdub going on that I'm, I'm lip syncing to. I'm actually speaking to you, right? But this is not the only way for me to speak to you. I can speak to you in a way that I don't say anything. You can still hear what I have to say. Let me give you an example. Now, I didn't say a word, right? But who do you suppose made that slide? Right? And, and you know how you could tell? You know, you could tell that it was me that made that slide. What if this slide came up? Now, is there any of you that would say, wow, Doug must have said that, right? The only way you would say that is if you don't know me. If you get that slide off there. <laughs> Put the title slide up, please. Yeah, the Bruins slide is better. Um, if, if you don't know me, then you might not have any idea who put up which slide, right? But if you know me, if you've been around me, you know something about what makes me tick. You know something about what I'm passionate about. And you learn to recognize, hey, this is the kind of thing Doug would say. So that's the issue. Now, there's another way that you could have someone communicate. If they're not speaking to you, and if they didn't write it down for you, People speak in other ways too, right? Do people communicate their feelings in other ways? If you're not sure, just cut somebody off in the freeway, <laughs> right? They may not be speaking to you, but they may wave at you with the universal sign of love, and you will know exactly what they're saying, right? This is a way that they communicate, and you get it, right? Because our social norms have taught us that that's a way that people might communicate in a setting like that. Um, sometimes uh, you can communicate without any gestures or any words. I know you guys have all done this. You've all seen this, especially if you grew up with siblings. Here's what it used to be like. This is, let me give you an example. In my family, um, this will shock you, but in my family, um, th there's a lot of pranksters and sarcastic people, right? 
I know, that's shocking. I, I'm the black sheep. I'm not like that. But, but um, anyway, so picture this. It's Thanksgiving. We're all around the table. It's a big extended family Thanksgiving, you know, all the food and everybody's eating and all that kind of stuff. And my brother-in-law, who's relatively new to the family at this time, is, well, let me just say, he's a big eater, this guy, right? So the, we all have plates. He has a platter. And, and he's filling it multiple times, right? Thanksgiving was his number one day of the year. It was all the food that he loved. And he would just sit there, and his face was like down, and he's just eating and eating. And we would just sit back and look and go, wow, this is astonishing. Look at this guy put this food away, right? So anyway, what we decided to do was, as he was eating, my brother looks at me, and there was just something in the look. I knew exactly what he meant. So I said to my brother-in-law, hey, Dave, look at this. And Dave looks over here, and I point out the cranberry sauce to him. Meanwhile, my brother, who's on this side of him, is putting mashed potatoes in his milk. <laughs> I know, it's a great thing, right? And so, so my two brothers and I are both in on, all three in on this. And so then the other brother over here gets his attention over here, and somebody puts something in his milk over here. And as the dinner goes on, all of us are seeing this. My mother is just dying because she's so nice, and she can't bear to have this happen, but we're giving her the look to say, don't tell him. <laughs> And so there's all these looks that are getting crossed, and by the time we get to the end of the meal, he takes this big drink of milk, and there's this much food in the bottom of his glass. It was awesome. <laughs> it was great. And we never said a word. We just know each other. We're just able with a look to plan this whole thing and carry it out and make it happen. And it was fantastic. We all know what it's like if you are a child of someone or you're the mother of someone, you know that God somehow during the pregnancy process gives a woman the look, which she now can use for the rest of her life on her children, right? And it is a certain look. There is a way that a mother looks at a child without any words, without any gestures, and something very clear is communicated, right? The child is acting up at the dinner table and you're at someone else's home and that mom just sort of glances at the child in a way that is very clear, holds the stare just a little bit longer, and that child knows if I ever want to walk again, I am going to behave, right? Or, or how about the time when your mother called you by your full name? Toast, right? You're just toast. Just hide under the bed and hope she forgets. That's your best shot if she uses your full name. So there's all these different ways that things get communicated, and they're not all sort of uh, in the rule book, so to speak, right? They're, they're, you feel your way to them. And that's a lot what it's like when the Holy Spirit is communicating to us. He speaks to us, but don't use the word speak too specifically. We have to broaden that term a little bit and understand there are ways he communicates. First of all, he provides spiritual insights for us. Let's just say uh, he gives us understanding. Let's call it guidance. The Holy Spirit offers us guidance. And here's an amazing thought. The same Holy Spirit that dwelt within Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that dwelt within the apostles who cast out demons, raised the dead, healed the sick, and wrote the Bible, the same Holy Spirit that dwelt within Peter and Paul and John is the same Holy Spirit that dwells within Terry and Garrett and Tom and Roger. It's the same Holy Spirit. 
It's an amazing thing when you stop and think about that. That means not just like a junior version of God is within you, but God himself, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And so the same guidance that was available to them is the same guidance that's available to us. That is an amazing truth. Because how many times have I thought, man, it must have been so much easier for the disciples who were walking with Jesus, they were seeing him and hearing him and seeing the miracles and all that kind of stuff, must have been so much easier for them than it is for us, right? Except the scripture says exactly the opposite is true. Turn to the gospel of John. And I want you to see this in John chapter 16 because Jesus is going to explain it to us. John chapter 16 <clears throat> Beginning in verse 5, Jesus is speaking, and, and this is, he's getting ready to go to the cross, and he knows that he's going to go to the cross, he's going to raise again on the third day, and then sometime later, he's going to ascend into heaven, and they're not going to be with him anymore. So he's getting them ready for this, and here's what he says, John 16, 5, <clears throat> But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I want you to notice that. Verse 7, it is to your advantage that I go away, he says. I know it seems great that I'm here with you and I can answer all your questions and I can, I can give you direct access, but I want to tell you something. It's going to get even better for you. It's an advantage if I leave. And the reason he's going to explain to us, verse 8, and he, the helper, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. Okay, get this. Jesus is saying, there's some things you need to know, and I have them to say to you, but you're not ready to hear them yet. And so I'm going to be gone, and you're going to need to hear these things at just the moment that you're ready to hear them. And therefore, I'm sending you this helper. Um, he says, verse uh, 13, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And he will not speak on his own initiative, but at whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose it to you what is to come. He will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. This same Holy Spirit that guided everything that Jesus and the apostles ever did or said is the same Holy Spirit that is available to every believer and follower of Christ today. And if we will let him speak to us and learn to recognize his voice and learn to respond when he speaks, we will actually be at an advantage above where the disciples were when they were walking with him every day. This is an amazing, incredible truth. And the same is true for us. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit uses all these different methods. 
If you're waiting for this audible voice from God, you may wait for a long time. Can God speak audibly? Yes. Will he? I don't know. And if you're expecting the Spirit to primarily speak to you about specific directions for specific things and specific situations, you also might be sorely uh, disappointed. If you're, if you're waiting for your Holy Spirit's radar to pick up on God saying, hey, turn left at the next light, the way your GPS does, you're going to be disappointed. If you're waiting for um, your Holy Spirit radar to say to you, buy stock in Apple like your broker does, you're going to be really disappointed. If you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to say to you, have your room clean by noon like your mom does, you're going to be disappointed. Because very rarely is that the way that God is speaking. More often than not, it's this more of a, I'm going to take you there. You walk with me. You'll recognize my prompting when you feel it. And the Holy Spirit indwells every true follower of Jesus. And that means a lot. Go back in, in John 16. Look at verse 7. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, the helper will come to you. He calls him the helper. And by the way, you'll always hear me refer to the Holy Spirit as him, not it. And that's because the Holy Spirit is God. This idea that, that the Holy Spirit is some disembodied power of God is heresy. The Holy Spirit is God just as much as the Father is God, just as much as the Son is God. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we don't talk about it, we talk about him. He is our helper. And the word helper there is from the Greek word, maybe you've heard this word, it's a, it's a well-known Greek word, parakletos. And parakletos means one who comes alongside to assist. That God gives us this helper, this one who comes alongside of us in order to assist us in what he has called us to be about. Verse 8, there's another thing he does besides help. Look at verse 8. And he, when he comes, will convict. He's going to convict people of their sin. And he talks about the world, how he's going to convict the world of their sin. And listen, if you're a Christian today, it's because at some point in history, the Holy Spirit moved in a way in your life where he convicted you of sin and you realized you were lost without God. And because of God's amazing grace, he brought you into the family of God. Amen? That's how that happens, right? So there's no question that he convicts lost people of their sin, and that's how lost people begin to move toward Christ in obedience. However, it's not just lost people that he convicts. Amen? Right? Some of us know this from experience, that when your life is off track, the Holy Spirit will smack you in the head. He will let you know, and you will become suddenly very aware that I should not be doing what I'm doing right now. I should not say yes to the temptation that I am facing right now, or the thing that I just did was displeasing to God, and I need to get back to God and confess and repent and make that right. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So he helps us in terms of just general guidance. He convicts us in terms of our sin, and then look down at verse 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So he guides us and specifically guides us where truth is concerned. Now, let's understand this better. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you're in John, it's just a few books to the right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
And in 1 Corinthians 2, beginning in verse 12, no, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 2, beginning in verse 10, we're going to see this. Paul is writing, and he says this about these, these things that he's been talking about. There's so many things that only God knows that we would never know if he doesn't reveal them to us. And he says in verse 10, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts, the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now that's true, right? Like someone can fool you. They can lie to you right in your face and, and they can know that what they're saying is a lie, but you can't tell, right? You don't know their thoughts, but they know their thoughts. Only the spirit of the man knows his own thoughts. Therefore, who knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God? Why does that matter to us? Because so much of what it is to be a Christian is figuring out the thoughts of God. What does God want me to know? What does God want me to do? What does God want to do in my life? And so how are we going to know those things? He goes on. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. Look at this, this is important. But a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. That's why so many of us have had the experience of trying to share with an unbelieving friend or loved one some sort of truth about God and His Word, and they look at us like we have three heads. It's not just that they aren't interested. It's not just that they don't want to know. It says here they cannot understand these things. Why can't they understand them? Because they are spiritually appraised. Unless the Holy Spirit gives someone the understanding of these spiritual truths, they will never understand them. Um, verse uh, 14, they are spiritually appraised. Now, some of the things we associate with the voice of God, we've already mentioned, but there's more nuance to the Holy Spirit and how He works in our lives. And we don't necessarily think of this as the voice of God, but I want to bring it all in and say, let's broaden this category of the voice of God and think about how God speaks. Go to Philippians chapter 2, just four or five books to the right, right after Ephesians, Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to pick it up in Philippians in chapter 2, verse 12. Paul is writing to the Philippian believers and he's not sure when he's going to get to come back and be with them, or even if he'll ever get to come back and be with them, even though he wants to. So here's what he writes, Philippians 2.12, he says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God who is at work in you in you, both to will for his good pleasure and to work for his good pleasure. What does it mean when he says work out your salvation with fear and trembling? It doesn't mean work for your salvation. You can't work for your salvation. He's talking about people who have already received salvation. And he's saying now that you're living in this new category of life called salvation, spiritual life, work that out. How do you work it out? By letting the spirit who dwells within you change your will 
by letting the Spirit who dwells within you give you the power to do the works that God calls you to do. Man, there are things God asks us to do that frankly just seem beyond us, aren't there? I mean, maybe somebody has hurt you so badly that you cannot ever imagine not having those scars, and the Holy Spirit asks us, commands us to forgive that person. And we go, God, you might as well ask me to jump over the moon. I don't have it in me. And God says, yes, you do. The Spirit of God dwells within you, and He dwells in you in such a way that He will bring you to a place where you will both will for His good pleasure and work for His good pleasure. He is the source of our motivation. He is the source of the power to carry out what He's motivated us to do. The Holy Spirit works within us and changes our will. It's an amazing thing. As Christians, we're not motivated to do the right thing because of outward um, pressure that's put upon us. Like Paul says, even though I'm not here, I want you to do this even in my absence. Not because I'm watching, not because you're afraid I might punish you if you don't do it. I want you to do it because you're motivated from the inside. He doesn't want us to be like that fifth grade class who looks up and realizes we have a substitute today. And they decide today is going to be our day. And they're going to run ransack over this poor substitute who's going to run from the room by fifth period, pulling her hair out and going, I'm never coming back, right? And, and yet, if their regular teacher was there, they would be completely disciplined and under control, right? And that is not the kind of motivation God wants us to have. He, he's not saying, listen... Drive whatever speed you want to drive on the freeway, but keep your eye in the rearview mirror because if there's a cop back there, slow down, right? This outward motivation to do the right thing. He's saying if the Spirit lives within us and we're learning to recognize His prompting, we will do the right thing because He prompts us from within. And that's a completely different sense of reality. We can actually want to do what's pleasing to God, and we're empowered to do it. So apart from his presence and voice in our lives, we would not be capable of living a life that is pleasing to God. Simple as that. Um, Paul speaks of this in Romans chapter 3. We won't look this up, but in Romans 3, you can write this down in your notes, Romans 3, 10 to 18. He's actually quoting the Psalms, and what he says is there, he says, there is none who does good, no, not one. There is none righteous, not even one. And he goes through these, these like convicting statements about how messed up people are apart from God. You cannot will and work for his good pleasure apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to indwell you for that. It's an amazing, amazing gift. When you think about this amazing gift that he's given us in the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian today, you have the resources available to you right now to live the victorious Christian life that God has planned for you. Now, your experience may tell you it's not true. You may say, you don't understand what it's like to be me. You don't know about all of the attacks that have been coming my way. You don't know how every time I try to take one step forward, I end up taking three steps back, Pastor. It may be easy for you, but it's not easy for me. I want to tell you that if you disagree with this, <laughs> you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with the Word of God. He says that if you're a Christian and the Holy Spirit indwells you, you have everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. The Holy Spirit's presence in our lives means we can hear the voice of God, means we are empowered to do the things that God is calling us to do. It's an amazing gift. 
Imagine this. Imagine you get a letter in the mail when you get home today, and there's a letter waiting for you, and it's you know, certified mail, and it's all official looking, and you open it up, and it's a letter from a um, lawyer's office, and it says, listen, I don't know if you know this, but you have this great Aunt Mabel who lives in Iowa, and she just died, and she's the richest lady in America. She left everything to you. <laughs> Amen, Aunt Mabel, right? So... So, she's cheering for her aunt's death. What a terrible thing. Okay, so, and then the letter goes on to say, so here's how it's going to be distributed. You're going to be given a million dollars in cash that is going to be uh, deposited in your checking account every single day at 9 a.m. when the bank opens. You will get a million dollars. But here's the deal. You have to spend the whole million. If you don't spend the whole million, you're done. So every day you spend the million, the next day you get another million, and it goes on for the rest of your life, but you got to spend the whole million. You know what would happen? After a week or a month or a year or a decade of finding a way to spend a million bucks a day, there would come a point where you just kind of shrug your shoulders and go, whatever. <laughs> it's impossible to imagine, right? But that would happen. You'd come to the point where you'd just go... I know, another million, but there's another million coming tomorrow. Like, I'm, I'm tired. I don't have time to go spend all this money, right? And you begin to lose a sense of awe for this amazing gift that has been given to you. Some of us as Christians are in exactly that place. We have lost our sense of awe that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within our hearts. What? gift. And see, if you don't know Jesus today, if you're here visiting and trying to figure out what this whole Jesus thing is about, I'm so glad you're here. I hope you'll keep coming. But here's what you need to understand. What we're talking about here is gibberish to you on some level. Because until the Holy Spirit lives within your heart because you've actually accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've actually submitted your life to His Lordship and you've made your life about living for Him instead of living for yourself, until that happens, the Holy Spirit is not dwelling within you. And the voice of God is so much uh, chaotic white noise. And you're never going to be tuned into the frequency of God until you have the Spirit of God in your life. And so don't think that you can come and say, I want to learn biblical principles so that as I live by these principles, I will have a successful life. You won't. You can't. Apart from Christ himself, the Spirit of God has to indwell your life. And if you don't know Jesus and you haven't submitted your life to the Lordship of Christ, you are missing out on the abundant life that Jesus died to give you. And all of this is just meaningless to you. And all I can say to you today, if you're hearing this and that's where you're at, is don't let another day go by when you're missing out on that which is life itself. You are created to know Him. And you can't know Him until you submit to Christ. But if you're a Christian, here's your practical homework. Press into God. I use that phrase a lot. Somebody came to me and said, what does it mean? It's just like spiritual talk, press into God. I don't know what it means exactly. Because it might mean something different for you than it means for me. 
but somehow it means that you take your relationship with God so seriously that you will not be willing to just float over here. You have to get closer. You have to be with him. You have to begin to let him speak into your life and you respond to what he's saying. Guys, it's a terrible and dangerous thing when you are a genuine Christian and the Holy Spirit speaks to you and he convicts you and he guides you and he teaches you and he does all that kind of stuff and you consistently put him off and put him off and put him off because what happens is you stop recognizing his voice. Your heart hardens and you cease to live the abundant life that Christ gave you. And that is a tragic situation. So if you're a Christian today, Start somewhere. You can figure it out. You know what you need to do. You know if there's this area of sin that you've just been embracing and you're like, I've got to let it go, I've got, but I don't want to let it go. I don't want to let it go. Let it go. See what God does when you finally make him first and let your sin go away. Or maybe it's some fear that you're holding on to and you're just not willing to follow God into the last thing he called you into. Listen, here's what I've learned over a lifetime of wrestling with God. If you don't do the last thing he called you into, don't expect him to call you into the next thing. It doesn't work that way. Maybe you just need to work on your prayer life. Maybe you need to be a person who gets back in the word and actually hears his voice in the pages of scripture. I don't know what you need to do, but somehow you need to press into God. Because if we don't, the Holy Spirit that indwells us will be like that million bucks that goes into our account every day and doesn't make any God's given you an amazing gift. If you'll trust him, I promise you, your life will be changed forever. Let's pray together.